Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. This is Chad Lopez on behalf of the WABC family. Today we bid a heartfelt farewell to not only a great morning show host, but a great human being, Bernard McGurk. From his days as a cab driver to executive producer of Imus to one half of Bernie and Sid in the morning, he was not only the heart of WABC, he was the heart of New York City. Never one to shy away from his thoughts on life and politics, Bernard gave a voice to the people of New York City. That voice propelled Bernie and Sid in the morning to the number one news talk morning show in New York. A great radio host, a professional colleague, a loving husband, a caring father, and a wonderful friend. Keep listening all day long as we honor our friend, Bernard McGurk. And now we will pause for a moment of silence. Seventy-seven WABC and Ramsey Subaru remember Bernard McGurk. Remembering Bernie McGurk. Hey, everybody, this is Mike Gunzelman, also known as Guns. And the thing that I'm going to miss the most about Bernie, but also really appreciate and be grateful for and try to emulate is the fact that although he was my boss on the IMS show and he was the executive producer and all that, he was also just a genuine human being. And it's those traits that I want to pass on to others and my coworkers in the future because, you know, Bernie was just a cool, down to earth, real person and in this industry there's not too many of them and it felt refreshing to be able to call him a friend he looked out for me he gave me my first ever on-air experiences he had my back to imus he said a ton of great things to imus about me that allowed imus to kind of really like propel my on-air career at abc and beyond bernie and i were also diehard UFC fans. We had a Saturday night MMA show on ABC together for a couple months. We also just had a ton of fun. I can't tell you how many countless nights or early mornings there were at the studio where we'd be watching the late night shows to grab the jokes for the Imus in the Morning program or watching sports or watching the MTV Movie Awards together all in the newsroom because we knew we had to wake up early and get all this content and everything for the show. So he was literally almost like a roommate with me at WABC he was a great person to me and he was a loyal friend that had my back and beyond and I'm truly truly going to miss him because he was one of the real ones and I'm always going to remember him for that on that note Bernie I love you my man this is Guns and keep listening for more remembering Bernie McGurk so you think uh, Levin was angry at you or, or annoyed with you? Annoyed when I said that uh, the whole Bernie, he's like, I don't he, he wants to come on because he goes on Bernie and said, why doesn't right. he come on my show? Right. I think he got a little irked there. If you, if you listen to his answer, Gil, you got the same feeling enough. Yeah, he's like, that's not why, Sid. Right. Like, in other words, we can get Chuck Todd, but he, right. but Mark Levin can't. Basically, and I really wasn't saying that. I wasn't. I mean, that's been the case, but God, who cares? Mark Levin is one of the all-time greats. Right? I mean, he's... Honestly... Hello? I, I, he, to me, he's bigger than Chuck Todd. He may be. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing. I, he, the guy's a monster. And, 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 of course, he's ten times smarter than Chuck Todd. Wow. There's that, no doubt about that. And funnier. Oh, no doubt about that. And funnier. He's really funny. 
And he's on the right side of Don't things. make me start picking between Chuck you and You don't have to. If just you have to stay pick. silent. Stay right. silent. You don't have, no, you don't right. have to pick. Because I love Levin, and I, and I have the utmost respect for Levin and what he's accomplished. He's, he is a legitimate superstar. He's much bigger than us. Would you rather? Rather what? <laughs> have Mark or Chuck as a friend. This is what you would see. This is... <laughs> I can tell you who you'd rather have uh, Mark Levin. That is a foxhole well, no, friend. I can. No, no, no. Chuck Todd's been a foxhole friend. And maybe Mark Levin's the same guy. Maybe he'll be that guy. But when I was dead and buried time and time again, my phone would ring would be Chuck Todd. So I can't tell you whether Levin is that type of guy. I can tell But you. Chuck has been that guy. Levin, He's already done it. Levin is. He's been there. Levin is. Okay, but Chuck has done it. Okay, good. Okay, okay good. So we got you. We got you. But yeah. he does, does come on to our program on Fridays, and he, he lies to us. He does? Yeah. He, he <laughs> makes up stories. Yeah. For example, about the whistleblower's complaint and the transcript. I'm not lying. Don't well, take it personally. Well, what's he doing? He he's not a, lying. He has his own side he's of the story. He's spinning. He's supposed to be an objective journalist. Who says that? You always say that. And who says that? I don't know. I'm no one's objective. You. Sean Hannity's objective? No. I mean, Sean Hannity doesn't pretend to be objective. Oh, neither does Chuck Todd. Come on. It's on MSNBC. How could you pretend to be objective? L- listen, meet the press. You're supposed to be objective. That's what that... The whole thing... This show is... The model is based on a, an objective news host. Oh. Ramsey Subaru in 77 WABC. Remember... Bernard McGurk. I'm Ernest. I'm Man. In the morning. On 77. WABC. Informative talk for New York. Streaming now on your smart speakers. Play 77 WABC. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of WABC Radio, its management, or its sponsors. Hey, folks, Bernard McGurk here for Ramsey Subaru on Route 17 in Bergen County, New Jersey. A great place. Sid and I visited Ramsey Subaru. It's just minutes from the George Washington Bridge. If you're interested in a Subaru, this is the place to go. The family and staff at Ramsey Subaru remember Bernard McGurk and extend their deepest condolences and sorrow to the family of our beloved colleague and friend. Since July of 2011, back during the Imus in the Morning program, Ramsey Subaru has been a proud friend and partner to Bernard McGurk, and they've always followed him all these years. They continue their loyalty and love to Bernie, and they're honored to recognize his legacy. Bernard's voice and immeasurable talent, wit, and kind heart will live on and forever and always be remembered as the fabric of Morning Drive here at 77 WABC. Ramsey Subaru recognizes and remembers Bernard 
McGurk. Talk Radio 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A company always on the We continue the commemoration, memorialization, and the look back at one of the greatest talk radio, radio figures of all time. The G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, Bernard McGurk, without a doubt. He could multitask. He could do everything that was involved in putting together a radio program, keeping it afloat, keeping the personnel on board when at times in the all I miss in the morning setup there was going to be mutiny on the bounty and most importantly he was the glue the person behind the scenes who kept everything going kept everyone motivated kept everybody on course and uh, all I know is Lou when I die which could be at any moment of any given day based on all the enemies I have boy if I could have a send off like our family here at WABC has given the great Bernard McGurk wall-to-wall coverage, wall-to-wall commemoration of the past, what was his life here at WABC, and obviously what is now the solemn occasion. But I just want to remind all of you, based on his Irish roots, he would have wanted this to be an ongoing Irish wake, which is a lot different than other wakes that I ever experienced when I was a little boy in Brooklyn growing up. It's celebratory. It's festive. It's remembering the best and all the good times. I guess with me on the Italian side, I remember the bad times. And Lou, I remember that fateful day in 2007 when I was doing the morning show with Ron Kuby at WABC. All of a sudden, you walked into the control room, and immediately I looked at you... And I said to Ron Kuby, that's it. It's over for us. They're replacing us with Imus in the morning. I said, look, that's Lou Rafino. That's their board guy. That's their contributor. And you looked at me like, this is the thing we have chosen. And I understood because just as Imus in the morning's crew, including Bernard McGurk, who, to- who took the biggest uh, brutal whipping of all by being called a racist, and I'll go into that momentarily, so unfairly as a result of what happened with a brief amount of discussion about the Scarlet Knights female basketball team. When I saw Lou Rafino, I knew this thing of ours was over for, for me and Kubi. I said to Kubi, I said, it's over. He goes, what are you talking about? We beat him in the ratings, which we did. But a lot of people beat Imus in the morning in the ratings. What he had was the influential listeners, the heavy hitters in the tri-state area, and the advertising that just blew the roof off for radio in general. He had more advertising than a lot of FM stations had, and I know it was a fait accompli. Just look at the analytics. And, look, I remember, I remember, even though at that time, Sean Hannity himself, the rock-ribbed all-American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, the anchor of the afternoon said, don't worry about it, Curtis. I spoke to Suleiman, the owner-operator of Citadel, and I said, but, Sean, 
He knew Imus. He was friends with the crew over at the fan. This this business is all about relationships. I know it's over. And they fired Kubi right after Lou walked into that studio. And they put me in a little, what, what, a closet. And they said, you're not going anywhere. We got you under contract. Yeah, yeah, but W, no, you're not going anywhere. And I fested and I fumed. And nobody from Imus in the morning would come over to me. Obviously, Imus was down at his ranch, I think in New Mexico, Texas, who knows, in parts unknown. But nobody would come near me because they were afraid of me. So this guy is going to have a psychotic disorder. He's so upset. And the person who came and spoke to me because he was a street guy was Bernard McGurk. He said, look, I know exactly how you feel. We went through this, this thing of ours that we love so much. He goes, you know, whenever we'd be on vacation, of which the Imus in the morning crew had a lot of vacation. I'd listen to you guys in the morning. Hey, look. It's great radio. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And he assuaged me. The only one. Nobody else would come near me. And that's because he understood what it's like to climb out of the belly of the beast. So many people so unfairly tainted with a broad brush, Bernard McGurk, in the aftermath of what transpired with the Scarlet Knights. And more importantly, his many imitations of Cardinal O'Connor, Cardinal Egan. Oh, you're non-religious, you're a racist. How unfair. How stupid. And yet, boy, that can stick with you for a lifetime. Imagine, here's a guy, Lou, came out of the Soundview Projects. I don't think people understand the Monroe Housing Projects. He was called the White Shadow. It's right off in memory curve. Correct me, Storyteller, Lafayette Avenues. If you look at the crime blotter now, it's like the highest crime area in the city and was back when Bernie was making his bones as one of the few white families growing up in the projects. About a thousand folks, you know, 15 story buildings. And when I visited the NYCHA projects during my uh, campaign for mayor, everybody remembered Bernie. Those who had been there early on in the 60s when that project was first constructed, the legacy of Bernard McGurk lived on. And everybody had only good things to say about him. How many of the young black and Hispanic males followed in Bernie's footsteps? Tough in the streets, had prowess in athletics, but they would always see Bernie, even then, reading books. Bernie, even then, consuming books. And, Lou, I walked into the night shop office there, and I said, uh, does everybody here know about Bernard McGurk, the success he's had, that he came from these humble, impoverished roots? I saw they had a picture of Wesley Snipes on the wall. Wesley Snipes, Ed Pinkney would play for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I said, why not a picture of Bernard McGurk so that people can look up to him? And they said, we can't do that. I said, why can't you do that? Well, he's a Trump supporter. I said, what the hell does that have to do with honoring where he came from, who he was, and what he could mean for a whole new generation of young people who would know Bertie lived in that building, in that apartment. And look at now, he's part of the number one morning talk show team in the tri-state area. Now, he said, we're not doing it. We're not doing it, but at least the residents of uh, the Monroe Housing Projects in Soundview, they remembered. They would never forget. And then he went on to Cardinal Hayes. He was a proud Hayes man. I remember he would tell me, 
Up Hayes and all its loyal men, which was like the uh, theme, I guess, of uh, Cardinal Hayes. I didn't go there. Our own Dominic Carter went there. And when you consider the panoply of great men who emerged out of Cardinal Hayes, George Carlin, that's right, he was a Hayes man, although he got kicked out. Regis Philbin, Martin Scorsese, and Bernard McGurk. And even though if you go to the school now, it's like 99% black and Hispanic. Back when uh, Bernie was going, it was about 50-50. It was an integrated campus, a great Art Deco building. And I remember their main nemesis was Mount uh, Mount St. Michael, Sean Puff Daddy High School. I mean, that's who their arch enemy was. Great school, produced so many great individuals. Out of 149 Grand Concourse, Concourse uh, Village. And I would hope that they would have a day dedicated to all the Hayes men. And I guess they have women there now. A Hayes woman who go there to know about the life and times of Bernard McGurk. I would hope uh, also, and I'm going to push for this, not only a Cardinal Hayes, that they uh, have a day of remembrance and recognition for Bernard McGurk. Like they had when Regis Feldman passed to the hereafter. That we go up to Yonkers. Lou, we should go up to the Yonkers, to the mayor there. I know him well, many, many years. And say, you know, Bertie made his bones in the streets of Yonkers when he was driving a livery cab. In many instances, when you listen to Bernie tell the stories of how he was riding, riding around in the wee hours of the morning, it was almost like he was Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. I mean, think of it. There he was, haunting the streets nightly of Yonkers. It was not lost in Yonkers, the play by Neil Simon, by any means. Starting out on South Broadway, he'd tell me how he'd get calls, gin mills. He'd be taking people to the Schlobein Projects, tough, right through Getty Square, which is called Ghetto Square, Mumford Gardens, into Nodine Hill. He had to transport pimps, hookers, johns, drug dealers, users. And at times, he would get pistol whipped and robbed. And one thing I knew, I said, Bernie, if any of them have ever said to you, hey, I need you to take me to Loring Place in the Bronx, he knew every cab driver who had any kind of knowledge knew you didn't go to Loring Place in the Bronx because when you drove up that hill off of West Fordham Road near Sedwick, you'd end up with two bullets in the back of your head. This guy had street smarts extraordinaire. And yet to know that right before... Lou Rafino walked in to pave the way for Imus in the morning to have their resurrection, their rebirth at WABC, which had been my place to be. He had gone up to Boston because, remember, he was in limbo, couldn't get a job in New York. He was the one who stood up to oust him, Shady Sharpton. He was the one who stood up to Barack Obama. He was the one who stood up to all the critics. I'm as folded like a cheap camera. That's that, that's the reality. He went on that placebo radio show of Al Sharpton, and he becked, and he bowed, and he cried, and he got down on wounded knee. You did not see Bernie McCurk do the same. He took Sharpton on, I remember, in a Fox News debate. He did not buck. He did not bow. He did not kiss Sharpton's pinky ring, and he took no prisoners. He wasn't going to apologize. Absolutely not. For what? And they wanted to vilify him till the day he died. Well, there is a way we can correct that because when he went up to Boston and tried to become the co-host of WRKO, the WABC of Boston with Tom Finneran, who had been the most powerful Democrat 
in the state legislature, replacing Whitey Bulger's uh, brother. Tom said to me when I was up there for an interview starting the Guardian Angels, you know, Bernie was going to be my co-host. They brought him up here. It was a fait accompli. They would have loved him. A white Irish guy. He might as well have been from the projects in Southie. And then the enemies came forward and said, you put Bernie on and we will boycott you. And ripped up the contract. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You know, for everyone, no matter who you are out there, there's not eternal mortality. No matter how strong, how fit you are, what a great diet you have, at some point you're going to take that magic carpet ride like Bernie has taken, no doubt through the pearly gates right into radio heaven. Easy pass for him. For the rest of us... That uh, magic carpet ride may crash and burn, and we we may descend into the bowels of hell and not even have the benefit of an asbestos suit. But he certainly earned his way, and it was the hard way. And I will tell you, Lou, that after you guys replaced uh, me and Kubi in the morning, from time to time as I was warehoused there under contract and Kubi had been kicked to the curb, I was in the newsroom, and I would hear screaming and yelling coming from the ranch, uh, whether in New Mexico or Texas, at the crew of Imus in the morning during the breaks. And, I mean, everybody was frozen because the vitriol coming from Imus, like a dragon breathing fire, like Godzilla breathing fire. And there were people who wanted to jump ship right there saying, enough is enough, I can't take this anymore. And Bernard McGurk, who had to uh, accept the brunt of the criticism, the yelling, the screaming, the cursing, was able to steady the ship and remind everybody, look, you knew this getting involved with Imus. This is Imus. He's not changing. He's getting older. In fact, he's uh, beginning to digress. So let's just hold the ship together. And Bernie, I would watch him behind that microphone. He would feed Imus the lines. He read the books. Imus was considered, you know, like Oprah. Oprah had a book of the uh, month club. Imus was constantly referring to books. But it was really burning towards the end of Imus's career that did all, did all of the reading, did all the preparation. Went out, got the guests, some of whom were resistant to rejoin Imus because of what had happened at the fan with the Scarlet Knights. It was Bernie who spent hours and hours and hours putting to back back-to-back that package of the Imus in the Morning Show together again. Like Humpty Dumpty, who took a great fall, Humpty Dumpty came back. And you have to attribute Bernard for remaining cool, calm, and collected and saying, hey, we got to get back to our old formula, guys. we got to get back to our old formula. And even though 
Imus had lost the edge because of getting slapped down by Barack Obama, by Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Not Bernie. You would always hear it in his commentary. It was cutting. It was riveting. At times, it was so off the hook, but it was so true. And then there came that time, Lou. You knew it. It was time for Bernie to get his own show. Geraldo Rivera was being shown the door because he was never at WABC to do his program. And Cumulus, our parent company at that time, which was weak and feckless and was soon to bail out of talk radio, knew they had to replace Geraldo Rivera. So all the Cumulus executives, all the big mockers, the muckety-mucks, the suits, they all wanted Don Imus's choice. And you would have thought Don Imus would have done the right thing and would have said, you know, it's Bernie's Bernie's chance. He's got the full package. He's done all the heavy lifting. He's done all the multitasking for me for years. Uh, let him have the mid, mid-morning mid show right after my show. I mean, here it was. Bernie was going to continue to do the production for the Imus in the morning show. Be the contributor that he always was. He just wanted to finally have a show of his own. And there was hesitation. And Bernie made it even more difficult because what he said to the suits is, if I'm going to do this show, I want Sid Rosenberg as my partner. Oh, that blew it up. The suit said, for sure, we're not going to give Bernard McGurk a uh, show with that hot mess. Sid Rosenberg, who had been exiled to Florida, who had been having problem after problem after problem. Everybody knew about it. And all of a sudden, a contract was prepared for Mike Lupico, who was going to do the mid-morning show from New Canaan, from his basement. You know, just like Imus was back in the the ranch. Nobody would have been at WABC. It would have been the catacombs. And then all of a sudden, a group of us, we said to Chad Lopez, our general manager at the time, you can't do this. I went down to Hollywood, Florida. I, I did the background checks on Sid to see if he had straightened out. I got all collaborating evidence that he was back. He was he was on the wagon. He hadn't fallen off the wagon. You had to bring him back. And I remember barging into Chad Lopez's office. And there was the contract for Mike Lupica, which would have stuck the shiv in Bernard McGurk. He would never have had a show of his own. But he insisted that it be with Sid Rosenberg. He didn't blink. And Chad looked at me and a few of the others And he said, boy, you know, this may cost me my job, but he signed the contract. That's how you ended up with Bernard McGurk, Sid Rosenberg in mid-mornings, and then eventually replacing Imus as he went into the sunset. Fabulous. I mean, the drama couldn't have been more intense. But Bernard McGurk had earned it. And what a great contributor, all-round contributor he was. And now he could be the Bernard McGurk. He no longer did the imitations of Cardinal uh, O'Connor, Cardinal Egan. He no longer was just the guy with the quick whip. No, he would uh, expose you to that from time to time. Now you got a chance to see the other side of Bernard McGurk, the deeper side, the more introspective side, the side that told us about his family, his upbringing, the family he was raising out in Long Island. And you got a chance to experience radio greatness, which he was limited to on Imus in the morning. And the chemistry between him and Sid was magic. Look, I've done a a lot of shows with a lot of partners. Some that worked out, some that didn't work out. 
is no doubt the best morning show since we flipped from spinning stacks of wax top 40 to talk radio. And remember, I was a part of some of those morning shows. So no doubt about it. And then there was that moment, Lou, and I knew what it was because I had watched Bernard McGurk as we were like uh, passing ships at sea in the hallway. And we would always have a conversation. But I will tell you this. You could see he was getting gaunt. You could see physically there was something wrong with burning. Now, I'm not a soothsayer. I'm not a swami. I don't read the tea leaves. But you could just tell physically there was something wrong. And then he said to me, Curtis, I need to have a sit down with you. Please, let's go into the studio here. And I could see he was nervous. Anybody would be nervous. He goes, Curtis, I know you survived stage four prostate cancer. I'm really worried. I've been doing a lot of research online. I have all the symptoms of prostate cancer. It may be worse than indicated online. And he ran through a litany of problems he was having. He was unable to urinate, and when he would urinate, it would be fire. And it was burning, and he was in pain. And he said, I feel pains in other parts of my lower extremities. And in the back of my head, I said, wow, that's worse than what even I had. And I had a bad case of stage 4 prostate cancer. And what increasingly came clear to me, and it has in so many other cases involving men with prostate cancer, is the tougher they are, and nobody was tougher than Bernard, Bernard McGurk. I mean, think of it. White Irish guy survived in the projects of Soundview, survived in the roughest, toughest areas of Yonkers, driving livery cab at night. And yet, he didn't want to take that PSA test that is so critical. I didn't want to take it. 21 years before, Rudy Giuliani didn't want to take it, right? Nobody could question how tough we are. But the tougher the guys are, the less likely they are to want to find out if they have prostate cancer. If there is one thing and one thing only that comes from Bernard McGurk's loss, is that, guys, you have to go out and get that PSA test. You got to get the prick of the finger. It's only a simple prick of the finger. It's a blood test. If your numbers are up, it doesn't necessarily mean you have prostate cancer, but now at least you have a guide. You need to get some medical advice. There's a whole panoply of different ways, if you are diagnosed with prostate cancer, to deal with it. It goes beyond the surgery I did. In fact, Rudy never had the surgery. Joe Torre never had the surgery. There's a panoply of different remedies from A to Z now. It's very sophisticated. 99% of the prostate cancer, if identified, can be cured. Uh, and simply a blood test. After I had the prostate cancer, I was asked by the New York Daily News to give lectures in the inner city because black men and Hispanic men per capita, per person, have a higher rate of prostate cancer that kills them. And it was all because, as I found out, the unwillingness, the lack of a desire to find out because of this per um, perpetual stereotype that exists that if you had prostate cancer, that meant if you somehow survived the ordeal, you would end up being a eunuch, you would be impotent, you would no longer be manly, uh, you in fact would probably have to go into the ladies' bathroom and do a squat uh, and thrust there instead of standing at the urinal. These were, these were the kind of stereotypes that existed for me. 
I know they existed for Rudy Giuliani and Joe Torre, and I know they existed for Bernard McGurk, because I could see in the look in his eyes he was worried. And I never saw Bernard McGurk worried at all. And I said, Bernie, you got to go. You got to get the test. You got to remedy it right away. I didn't tell him I thought it metastasized, but in the back of my head, having had so many experiences of my own and other men who had uh, prostate cancer, it was clear to me this wasn't simply in the prostate any longer. And unfortunately, I was correct. The doctors tried to do what they could. It had metastasized into his liver. You heard him struggle and then come back with Sid from his bed at home with his wife and his children, and he would he would still prepare. He would still work hard. He was still attempting to recover, even though he knew that the cancer had metastasized. And then to have his appendix explode, an appendicitis attack, in and of itself oftentimes kills people with the toxins. I know I went through it as a child. And then the pneumonia. Now, with a depleted immune system because of the constant treatments of chemotherapy, to try to get the cancer in remission that had spread to his liver from his prostate. That was the final blow that led uh, to Bernard easing away in front of his family and working his way into radio heaven. On behalf of WABC, I know our owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, are going to try to revive what used to be the prostate cancer run, was very successful. Channel 7 Eyewitness News did it every spring. In Central Park, you had 10,000 runners, men and women. And if there is a word of advice that I can give to everyone out there other than men, many of you will be uh, refusing to accept this this, uh, advice. You can continue to plod on and assume that as you schlep back and forth at night and you have all kinds of prostate issues, could be a swollen prostate. It could be other prostate-related issues. It doesn't necessarily have to mean it's prostate cancer. But those are all warning signs. The body has a way of warning you. I didn't listen to my body. Rudy didn't listen to his body. But we were able to catch the prostate cancer in enough time not to end up dying. Bernie waited too long, longer than I or Rudy and as a result, died too much too early in life. And look, when, when it begins to metastasize, it can be a very, very, very painful process till you die. So we will revive the prostate cancer run. But I'm begging and I am beseeching children, grandchildren, and especially girlfriends or wives, please insist that the men folk in your families get a prostate cancer test at the age of 40 and up. Don't, don't wait till they're 55. Sometimes that's too late. 40 and up, once a year, a simple prick of the finger. If they haven't gotten it by Father's Day, use that as the barometer. You force them. You nag them. You be on their case. You don't give them relief. You drive them. You take them. For the PSA test, because I can tell you again and again and again, the bigger they are, the tougher they are, the more resistant they are. Look at the examples. Bernard McGurk waited until it was too late, and now he's in radio heaven. So let his uh, passing be an example of everything we should be doing. Keep the notion of prostate cancer referrals alive, because you see we're in the middle of uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. 
and women are very much aware of that, and they're constantly talking with one another about it. It's very open. But the biggest kept secret is about prostate cancer. Men just don't want to discuss it. you got to force it upon them. If nothing more, do it in honor of Bernard McGurk's passing. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. This should have been Bernard McGurk's theme song by House of Pain. White Irish tough guys with the shamrocks tattooed on their shoulders who uh, would stand up to anybody. And let me uh, close out with this final memory. And Lou, I might not have been here if not for Bernard McGurk. Look, I've had many, many close calls. But at the height of the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020, Bernard McGurk came into the studio each and every day dressed like uh, Lawrence of Arabia, and he had a shiv right in his sleeve. Uh, his partner, Sid, would come rolling down on the number one train from the Upper West Side, and I was just about living in Penn Station with the Guardian Angels because the cops had evacuated, the social workers had evacuated, and the emotionally disturbed and homeless were there. We were feeding them, taking care of them, preventing them from spreading corona, coronavirus to one another. And the reason that they were so docile most times is we were feeding them. We were washing their hands and their face and their bodies with alcohol to prevent the coronavirus from spreading. And then one day a guy was having a psychotic disorder, and I'm very adept at dealing with them, but this guy was getting the best of me. And it was like I was almost down on the ground, and... This guy could have definitely stomped me out or taken out a shiv and carved me up. And who is standing right behind me, Lou? Lawrence of Arabia with the schmatt on his head, the shiv in his hand, South Bronx style, out of his sleeve. And he was telling this guy, back up, back up. And this guy was having a psychotic disorder, looked at the eyes of Bernard McGurk, and he knew Bernie meant it. Bernie was going to stick him with a shiv in order to save me. And thankfully, that guy understood that Bernie McGurk was the real deal. Street smart, and if he had to, he would do everything he could to save his friends. And we were all friends at WABC. Those were the worst of the times. The lockdown and the pandemic of March of 2020. People were being taken into the ICU ER every day, and they were dying dying on ventilators, and yet Bernie kept coming in, dressed like Lawrence of Arabia with the shiv in his sleeve, Sid coming down on the one train, and I living with the Guardian Angels right in Penn Station because we were all 
that the poor, the indigent, the hopeless, those in despair, the emotionally disturbed, and the homeless had. We continue to be a family in the worst of times. And I will never forget that, Bernard McGurk. Without you, I might have been carved up on the floor of Penn Station. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.